Welcome to the Fantasy Draft Podcast. We had some pretty big news today uh, at the day of the recording. Um, just waking up, we had uh, Des Bryant signing to the practice squad of the Baltimore Ravens. And we had uh, Yannick being traded from Minnesota to Baltimore as well. Now those are two big additions potentially for the Baltimore Ravens for the last half of their season. Uh, jumping right in here to the offensive side, we're talking about Des Bryant. He's actually been out of the league here, obviously, a couple of years. Um, and I'm, as far as fantasy implications, I'm a little bit concerned with how, how it's going to impact Hollywood Brown. Um, you know, he's on the practice, a plan to be signed on the practice squad. We assume he'll be elevated pretty quickly um, with intentions of being on the active roster um, to help out that supporting cast around Lamar. But I'm concerned with how the target split will go um, as far as Hollywood Browns, um, you know, touches and looks each game. They're not as good as they could be already. And I would assume Dez is going to eat into those as it is as another big deep threat downfield. I mean, Baltimore needed something. They absolutely did. Like, they almost lost to the Eagles because who's Lamar throwing to? As soon as you as soon as you put a good corner on Hollywood Brown, I mean all you got to do is put a little bit of pressure on the on the tight ends and there's absolutely no one. You force Lamar Jackson to make plays on on his legs and if you're prepared for that, you basically shut down that Baltimore offense. Yeah, Jackson's kind of hit his cap with the current team that they have right now. Um, he makes the plays with his legs. He throws when he can. Um, but definitely picking up Des Bryant, if Des Bryant can become any part of his former self, um, will be big addition for the Ravens. Um, the thing is, Nguanque, uh, putting him into that defense, are they going to slot him right in? Are they going to give him the freedoms that he kind of had in Minnesota um, in his rushing style to get those five stat- sacks in six games? I would like to see him on the same side as Campbell, kind of like what they had be on... Big. Just like what they did in Jacksonville, since now it's starting to look like they're the Jacksonville Ravens. Um, I I would like to see that. Uh, I feel like fantasy-wise, Baltimore's defense is just going to be a must-have. Because uh, now they're going to have a, a very reliable pass rush. Um, and, you know, they still have the best one of the best secondaries in the league. And Patrick Queen is developing to be a true star linebacker already and we're only going on seven weeks in yeah and I, I don't think um we definitely don't see this as the same Baltimore team we saw last year like they're still obviously a Super Bowl contender but I think um as more and more teams have been catching on to Lamar Jackson's play style it's been harder and harder for the Ravens to pull out those big wins so I think uh definitely with the addition of Bryant and definitely um with the uh addition of Yannick um, I think they're definitely going to um, stand much more chance on the off- offensive side of the ball at getting some real offensive momentum in the second half of the season. And Yannick will just boost that, I mean, tremendous defense they've, they've had throughout the first half of the season. It's, if Des Bryant gets signed and elevated pretty quickly, I think it hinders Hollywood Brown a little bit, but it definitely elevates Lamar. Um, like, like they said, he doesn't have almost any real receivers besides Hollywood to throw to. Who does he have? Willie Sneed. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark Andrews has been 
I mean, he's, he's a top five tight end right now, but yeah, hit or miss. Um, so far this season, Lamar hasn't thrown for 300 yards, which is expected. He's right. He's versatile, so he can run. But he also has only had one rush, one game where he's rushed for 100 yards, where last year I think he had a handful of 100-yard rushing games. So um, Des Bryant would definitely elevate that, and especially following their bye week this week. They're going against Pitt, Indy, and New England, who are three of the top um, defenses in the league as far as you know secondary. So it, it's definitely a much-needed addition to their offense, and... I, I expect that it'll, you know, kind of boost Lamar's stats back up to where we'd hoped he would have been, top three. All right, and I think it's only fitting that I bring up the other half of the, the Yannick trade. Um, the Vikings trading away arguably their best defensive player um, at this point. Daniel Hunter's still out. They traded Xavier Rhodes last season. Um, I, trading him for what? They traded him for a second-round pick and a future fifth round? So... Um, I think this is clearly a signal that the Vikings are going full rebuild, um, at least on the defensive side of the ball. I think with uh, Daniel Hunter um, having his contract until 2024, we'll keep him, and I think they'll try to rebuild a defense around him. But I just want to hear kind of what you guys think um, will be the next step for the Vikings in uh, completing a rebuild. I definitely, I would definitely agree with that. I think Hunter is too big of a piece to bail on, but we also thought this move we never thought this move would happen so i would i would expect them to try and build on that i mean what three two or three years ago this was a top three defense in the league and in that two or three years they've steadily declined and now they're they're really looking at bottom feeders um and so it's tough to know what the organization wants and what they're going to do especially since hunter's contract is through 2024 and they i mean it's only a year into that um, so I would be surprised if they cut their losses and trade them away, but it is, it is the Vikings and they're not having a great season. So I shouldn't be surprised if they make another big move to try and build on it for a future. Not to mention, you know, there's a lot of room to work with right now on that defense. You have a lot of gaping holes. Uh, they are one of the most inconsistent defenses in the league right now. Um, Harrison Smith, a lot of people thought that he was a top 10, maybe even top 5 safety in the league. And honestly, he's showing that he's even regressing. And he's still relatively young. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of room that they can work with. I think the one hindrance that their team is going to have, though, is, as Brandon kind of chuckled about, the guaranteed $84 million to Kirk Cousins. Um, I, I think that they are just spending a lot of money on the offense and I think that's going to hurt a rebuild. So they have to trade away people like Yannick to get draft picks so they can try to go young on the defensive side of the ball and hopefully they start progressing into a, in a, into a defense where they were a few years back. Are they tanking for Trevor? No. They cannot compete with the Jets, who we'll talk about momentarily. <laughs> Speaking of fire sales. <laughs> I, well, and I don't think, um, just talking a little more about that and what Casey said, I don't think uh, 
the offense is going to be the focus of any type of rebuild the Vikings do. Yeah, Cousins has his problems for certain, but they have two of the best receivers in the league at this point in Thielen and the up-and-coming up Justin Jefferson. Um, so I, I would be astounded if they did anything to get rid of either one of those two. And I would be still surprised if they did anything to get rid of Cousins, I think. Um, given an improved defense and maybe a better offensive line, Cousins can... I mean, Cousins has had good moments. He just... Except for in key games. Yeah. I, and it, it, <laughs> lack of consistency. Lack of consistency is is an absolute problem for Cousins. And I think I think a lot of that does go back to the offensive line. The fault falls back on the offensive line as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, looking at how much time Kirk Cousins has to throw, he's down there at the bottom uh bottom of the list he's not giving much time early early in the season he was only being given like 1.6 seconds to throw and that was really apparent against the atlanta falcons who were able to put pressure on kirk cousins forcing what three four interceptions and it, it made kirk cousins look significantly worse um as a avid I hate everybody else in the in the NFC North uh, Bears fan. Um, it it fills me with the joy to see Kirk Cousins struggle, but you know I I, I think Kirk Cousins is going to be what truly holds back the uh, Minnesota Vikings in a future rebuild. And it'll, it, if you look at their organization in this draft last year, obviously we all know Justin Jefferson was their first uh, first round pick. Um, at wide receiver, of course, like like uh, Chase said, he's a top five alongside Thielen there. But of their next seven picks, six of them were defensive players. Granted, they're all low round picks or not getting a lot of play time. None of them are big names yet. You know, Jeff Gladney was their was their other first round pick. But other than that, nobody you know nobody's made a name for themselves in the NFL yet besides Justin Jefferson. So. It seemed back at the draft that they, you know, they're trying to build up a defense. They're just too young to make that impact play yet. So if they are trying to kind of rebuild around Hunter, that may be some some key people that they just drafted are going to be, you know, stuck in in that group that kind of attribute to the success when it comes to the defense once once that build happens. Now, uh, as a part of a rebuild. Do you consider the head coaching position as something that you need to look at as well? Because there are several times where Mike Zimmer's play calling cost Minnesota a win, um, most notably against Seattle. When it was fourth down and they went for it, when they could have just kicked a field goal and put it pretty much out of reach for Seattle. I would have to agree. I think um, Mike Zimmer has been incredibly lucky um, so far this season as to not catch the incredible amount of scrutiny that Adam Gase has been under, that um, Bill O'Brien was under for the Texans. Dan Quinn, who got fired. Yeah, Dan, Dan Quinn for the Falcons. Um, I think it's been incredible that Mike Simmer's been able to avoid uh, that, that kind of scrutiny thus far. Um, but uh, I think if the Vikings come out of this bye and keep losing, I think it's going to be very difficult to make a claim uh, to keep his job for next season. Someone's got to be the target, and as soon as Adam Gase stops hogging the spotlight in that targeting area, I think Zimmer's definitely someone you can be looking at. I, I briefly want to talk about uh, the Atlanta Falcons now that Julio's healthy. 
what does what does a healthy Julio Jones mean for Calvin Ridley's fantasy stock? I don't think that much right now. Um, Calvin Ridley's playing out of his mind when he's in the, on the field. Um, he's a healthy Julio Jones just helps Calvin Ridley. Honestly, it takes some of the pressure off of him as he's currently the number one receiver with, I believe, Gage behind him, and now he'll have a legit person on the other side of the ball, um, or on the other side of the field from him to be able to draw some of those double teams away. Not to mention Matt Ryan himself, like the fantasy value of Matt Ryan now. That's going to go through the roof now that he has a reliable receiver other than Calvin Ridley that he can throw to. Yeah, We saw numerous times against the Vikings where Julio Jones literally burned the secondary, uh, especially on, what, fourth and three for a 40-yard touchdown. Mm-hmm. That That's something that... Um, you know, you may even want to consider having Matt Ryan as a backup if you still have a starting quarterback that's looking at a bye week within the next coming weeks. This uh, this game last week was Matt Ryan's breakout game. You know, every couple of every couple of weeks, you know, we always bring up is he really a startable quarterback because he had two or three weeks in a row where he barely broke ten fantasy points. Um, that's not a startable. Performance, and then he goes out and, and drops 35, 40 mm-hmm. points in a blowout against the, the Vikings. Sorry, Chase. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's almost like he's coming back to his reality where he has, you know, a top five receiving core, and he just has to find his stride to make those plays to have the performance that we all expect him to play. Uh, I think last week also is a testament to Dan Quinn getting fired. Oh, absolutely. Um, a lot of teams, um, especially the players, will gather behind uh, their coach getting fired, I guess, um, saying, okay, now it's not on him, it's on us to make us look good. I think we also kind of saw that with Houston right now. Um, Just being able to kind of keep up with arguably the number one offense in the league in Tennessee. They were were close. If they would have had another possession, I think that would have went into Tennessee, uh, into the Texans' favor. Uh, seeing the Texans getting another win on the season. Um, you know, it, it, it's a, it's pretty cool to see the impact of seeing a toxic coach for your, uh, for your team just being given the boot. Yeah, and I think one reason why it was so successful for the Falcons for that to happen is, you know, you have on one end getting rid of Dan Quinn, that's a morale boost. Getting Julio Jones back, that's a morale boost. I think the Falcons really kind of got a double whammy that kind of spurred them to like, okay, we can actually get something done this season. Um, and yeah, as a, for Matt Ryan, I uh, went up against Matt Ryan last week in my fantasy league, and I went, to, went into the game thinking he wouldn't even be a factor, um, not remembering Julio Jones was back, and uh, I, I paid the price. <laughs> because um, I think with two very highly skilled targets, two very valuable targets to hit, uh, I think Matt Ryan and that uh, Falcons offense is going to be a lot more dangerous from here on out. I want to touch back on uh, the whole free agency pickups thing, the Des Bryant. Um, A.B. might be going to the Seahawks, is uh, sounding like. he's uh, The Seahawks are one of the potential suitors. Um, A.B.'s suspension's up uh, after, week eight. after week eight. So we can see plans to sign sometime next week. 
Um, I wouldn't rush to any sort of conclusion that he's actually going to get signed at any point because we have to remember that, you know, even Bill Belichick thought that he can control Antonio Brown uh, post-Fonte Burfset uh, hit. Yeah. And that is not the case. If Bill Belichick can't control and wrangle in an ego, I don't see how Pete Carroll or any of the other coaches will be able to do the same. Um, I mean, especially when Pete Carroll also had to deal with the egos that came from the Legion of Boom and saw kind of where all that went with Earl Thomas um, and mostly Richard Sherman when he wanted out. So I wouldn't jump to any sort of conclusion, any, like any sort of excitement quite yet. Uh, just kind of keep your eyes out on the news with him before you go just picking him up. And the hope that you're low enough on the waiver wire to get him if he does sign with somebody like Seattle. And, and as we know, there's going to be drama wherever he ends up. If he signs with the team, there will be drama regardless of where he goes. Um, it, it's going to be a matter of what his contract looks like, what his chemistry with the QB and his teammates in the locker room is and all that. And of course, like Casey was saying, a coach is going to have to be able to manage him. Obviously, like he said, nobody's going to be able to control Antonio Brown. It's pretty evident at this point. But managing him so that he's, you know, can can try to go back to his stardom that he used to be in Pittsburgh. If he can do that, it could be like a Lev Bell situation where he comes back to stardom, kind of rejuvenates his career on a better team. I mean, when he was in Pittsburgh, he was an absolute superstar with Big Ben. And then he had a year or two with Juju, and then he had all these issues off the field and all this stuff that really brought down his career and how people viewed him. And has been a reason that through this eight games, it's took it's took taken six weeks for anybody to even talk about him. So I'll be interested to see if he does end up with Seattle or if he does sign with any team, how he as a person, not not necessarily on the field. Um, reacts to what what happens yeah can you separate in the great words of colin cowherd the art from the artist um on the field he puts up results but off the field as matt has now aforementioned to a lot of it all the drama that he has yeah and i'd say um for any of the teams that are are considering him uh, but especially the seahawks and the chiefs I, if, if they end up picking him up, I would keep an eye on your other players because I think wherever he goes, he, there is a very good potential that at where he tries to put, put himself in and build himself up, there's a good chance that he could drag other players in the receiving core, other players on the team down, and that might hurt your fantasy still carries points. From him, still touches all, of that, all those things. A mm-hmm. prime example of that, um, and I'm going to go and use a Seattle example because <laughs> oh, in this offseason, he was working out with Russell Wilson. Um so I, I want to. I just want to point out that an example would be DK Metcalf. Um, you know, taking away a lot of those deep balls from DK Metcalf that's been making DK so important in a, in fantasy, such a crucial flex player in fantasy. Um, having Antonio Brown, that's going to. I feel like that's going to diminish the value there. I mean, you also got to remember that if we're talking about the Seattle example, they also have Josh Gordon still sitting on suspension right now, so. There's going to be a lot of guys vying for a lot of targets. It's going to get to a point where all Russell has to do is just fling the ball in any sort of direction, and somebody will be there to catch it. 
Just run four receiver sets all game. Mm-hmm. You don't need a running game at that point. So like we mentioned, if we, we mentioned Le'Veon Bell, we talked about him last week. We mentioned him here again when we compared him to AB in the same kind of situation with a little bit of drama, a team change, all this, back to stardom. What are the Jets going to do? Keep selling. They I think they have to, right? They've already mm-hmm. started. They've gotten rid of what? Now they just got a sixth-round pick for a player and a seventh-round pick. They traded Steve McLendon um, literally an hour after the Dolphins game. Um, it got to the point where they told Steve that he was traded to the Buccaneers. Instead of flying back to get his stuff, he just got into a car and went to uh, If I was him, Tampa I'd Bay. be ecstatic about that. Yeah, for sure. You're going from the bottom Tampa team. Tampa ecstatic about yeah. it. For sure. Now they have a replacement for their starting defensive tackle, uh, who's actually really solid and helps add to that pass rush that Buc- that the Buccaneers have uh, and really showed against Green Bay. Um, I think with the Jets, what they need to do is they do need to keep getting rid of assets. If they're going to go full rebuild, they want to make sure that they, that they are going into the offseason with arguably the most cap in cap so they can sign free agents uh, and – plenty of draft capital they so better they, be starting 15 draft picks next year <laughs> you, you almost have to like that entire organization needs a full refresh and so so as of a couple weeks ago before the chief lost the jets had a better chance of going 0 and 16 than the chiefs had of going 16 and 0 Mm-hmm. Which the Chiefs have before now the lost. fire sale exactly. Which the Chiefs have now lost. The Jets have now given up more people. Not looking good in East Rutherford. Nope. Uh, I think. However, I do think that with um, the Jets, you also have to start looking at moving past Adam Gase. Oh, absolutely. Ab- they should have three weeks ago. They just need absolutely. to keep holding him to keep putting the blame on him. He has at this, this point. He has this uh, weird trend. Where as soon as you remove him from your organization, everybody plays better. So I think the first thing that they need to do, well, they still need to start moving on some of their players that are getting near the end of their contract year, getting towards the end of their contracts, and trade them off for draft capital. And then end of the season, not even end of the season, just get rid of Adam Gase. So that's what I was going to say. Nice. <laughs> So trade potential trades for Jets in the future. Quentin Williams. If they're if they're doing a rebuild from from the bottom, he has to be the centerpiece. A, a, either a centerpiece of them keeping him, or a centerpiece to get something bigger in return. A first round pick. They're Absolutely. never going to get a first round pick out of him, but no. maybe a second round pick if you're really lucky in the Jets. Um, Brian Poole, cornerback. I would even say Aaron, uh, Sam Darnold. If you can get I mean, something from up, there is a target out there. We're gonna take there. Trevor. Chicago, uh, Chicago's de- in desperate need of a quarterback. So, hey. Um, so I was just gonna ask. It, it's been quite a few years, I think, since we saw a team actually go zero and sixteen through the whole season. Um, like, were the Browns the last one to do it, or was it the Browns yeah, were the last the Browns one? Definitely were. I think um, the Brown the Browns went uh, two and fourteen, then zero and sixteen, yeah. and then before them, it, the last zero and sixteen team, what other than the Browns, and, was Detroit. 
And at this point, there are a lot of other teams in the league that are, you know, one and five, two and four. Me, you know, only one or two games above the Jets in that aspect. So do you think the Jets willfully tank, don't even attempt to win games, and vie for that number one pick already? Or do you think they try to salvage the season even a little bit? Why would you salvage the season? If you're just going to sell off, then you don't even have to purposely tank. You're just tanking. And mm-hmm. you don't even look like you're just... Over or under one and a half wins on the season. Uh, I, I want to look at their schedule I, here, but I think I'm going to say under. Does the schedule actually matter against the Jets? Maybe. I, I don't know. I think that it does at the goals. end of the schedule. I think at the end of the schedule it matters. Just garbage time essentially wins. Garbage mm-hmm. time when they're go- if they're going up against a team that's already guaranteed a playoff spot. Patriots is their last game. So, like the Patriots, if the Patriots make it, chances are they're going to rest their starters. Browns, Rams, maybe last three games. So they can they potentially all playoff teams. They're all potential playoff teams. So at that point, you may be able to sneak in at least one win. So, I'd I'd say at least one win on the season. Four. Somewhere online this week, I read uh, if you're Trevor Darnold. Trevor Darnold. Trevor Darnold. Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> if you're Trevor Lawrence, knowing the Jets are your likely location at the end of the season to be drafted, do you go back to Clemson to attempt to avoid going to the Jets? I don't do think you play your senior year instead of being drafted. The number one overall Jets. pick. He's going number one this year, right? Or ne- but he already has that locked up. What happens if he gets injured? That's true. He's still just, like Tua, just like Tua, because yeah. Tua was originally planned to be the number one pick, and then he got hurt. He could, well, he could just as easily get hurt the rest of this season and then not be first overall. I, I feel well, like he would still be first overall. I still think that you take your shot at going in the NFL I, as soon as you can, no matter what team that is. Money's I, money. You just, go ahead. I was going to say, I think you have to look at the long term in that if he does play another year at Clemson, what? Whoever goes 0-16 yeah, that year, valid. he just gets drafted to them. I think I think it is best, you know, whatever team's the worst, if you're the number one pick, you're going. You're right. pretty much going to that team. And I think what it comes down to is if you're him, you go to the Jets, you suck it up, play your rookie deal out, and then you, you go for a trade. You get traded, get off. Because I don't see the Jets being a playoff team in four, in the next four years. Uh, I believe that was Roddy White that mm-hmm. said for him it to was. stay. It was Roddy yeah, White. Yeah, it was Roddy White. And th- what I what I will say to kind of kind of in agreement with him, even though I do think that you need to take your shot into going into the NFL as soon as you can, um, it's an organization thing. You right now with how the organization is, you don't want to play for them, not at all. So if you're looking at it as I have something to prove. And I can, and I need to play for the worst team and show exactly what turn I'm around worth. the organization. Yeah, and turn around the organization. Then yeah, go to the Jets. They're one yeah. of the perfect teams to do that with. However, if you are afraid that the organization is going to give you absolutely nothing to work with, and you're just going to kill your own Sam Darnold, you're going to yep. just pull another Sam Darnold and kill your entire value. That's uh, tough. It might be worth to kind of weigh your options there. Can you Eli Manning this if you're Trevor Lawrence? Manning. Eli Same. Manning entered a situation where <clears throat> I don't want to be. The, I don't want. I'm not going to the Jets. He just declines the first overall pick. Can he say that enough as Eli Manning did in his draft? I mean, you can and say not, it and get drafted 
farther back. You can back. say it once. He doesn't have to agree to sign a contract with the Jets. Right. But does he say it to get past the Jets? I think it depends on who's bottom five. But Eli Manning was traded. He was drafted number one, and then he was traded. Right. So, I think same difference. He, I, I think you can. Out. I think regardless. Oh, he definitely could. Regardless, you, regardless, you can't because it's going to be a win-win situation for Trevor Lawrence and the Jets in, in both regards because the Jets are still going to get something out of it, still going to get value out of it. Yeah, it's a waste of a pick, but you could potentially get something better. And then Trevor Lawrence is going to get a win there because he's going to go into a much better system. I don't know. If I was a, a Madden uh, good old fantasy uh, GM, I'd go ahead and trade that number one pick overall because you have a good quarterback in Sam Darnold uh, once you find a new coach. <laughs> um, and you get maybe two first-round picks, of two first rounds and a second. The, the possibilities are endless for people to move up to that because people want Trevor Lawrence. And it's still a deep quarterback class, too. Uh, there's, what, four, five, six good quarterbacks coming into this quarterback draft or class? Not great, but good. Yeah, but as of now, it's, it looks like... I mean, the Giants just drafted Daniel Jones, so they're probably not ready to move on. The Redskins, the Washington football team, could. I mean, they're rocking with Dwayne Haskins, Kyle Allen, and Alex Smith, but... That's quite a committee. And that sounds like they're already ready to move past uh, Haskins because, they, I mean, they benched him. Right. The Browns don't have draft capital. Bears don't have draft capital. But the but the Browns are have a winning season with Baker. So they have faith in Baker. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, <laughs> they, they have faith or not. They, 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 do, have, fa- they do okay. have faith in Who Baker. Who else are they going to put no, in, though? But that's, that's, not the, that's the opposite of the point. Because they had two or three awful seasons with Baker, and they've kept him. Mm-hmm. They have Case Keenum as their backup. Exactly. And Case Keenum is also the one that took the Vikings into the NFC Championship game off the, the, uh, what? Minneapolis Miracle Miracle to Stephon Diggs. So you do have faith in your current quarterback system in Cleveland. So who else is available? Yeah, there's not a lot of, like, suitors. Terrible teams that also have terrible quarterback situations mm-hmm. we'll get to miami here in a second because they already got their quarterback of the future absolutely hopefully we only saw what two passes from their quarterback but of the future the, the big news this week that's a good point the big mm-hmm. news on two of two for nine yards Tua Tungvaloa has been named the starter in miami we knew it was going to happen someday we we see we did I don't think anybody was ready for it to be after two NFL passes. And they're on, I don't think he was. There's no way. No way. And they are going against the Rams their next possible game because they have a bye week this oh, week. Defense. And then they go straight into a very, very hard defense. Arguably the number four defense in the league right now in the Los Angeles Rams. But you kind of have to do it now, right? If you let Fitzmagic do too much Fitzmagic... Well, people are going to get mad when you bench Fitzmagic in week 13, week 14 for Tua. Tua needs to play when they draft him at number five. They drafted him to play as soon as he's 100% healthy. However, you start Fitzmagic knowing that that magic's only going to last a certain amount of time. Right, but you don't want to get the fan base specifically super hyped on Fitzmagic. He's 3-1. and one. And so at what point do you take him out if he keeps winning? You don't. 
Exactly. But then why did you draft Tua in the first round? Because next year and the year. But did you draft him to just sit him? Because no, you drafted him to to watch how a veteran quarterback plays and learn for a year if he's not ready. And if they're winning, there's no reason to rush him. And what better quarterback than a German quarterback that's played for basically every team in the league? Minus two. Minus two. (laughs) It's it's Ryan Ryan Fitzpatrick is a perfect mentor mentor for Tua. I don't think the timing of this is right. Maybe going into a bye week, maybe you're giving Tua a little bit more time to directly work with the offense, so the offense is familiar with him. However, however, uh, you know, you draft a quarterback because Ryan Fitzmagic is 37 years old. You're right. He can only play for so long, and he can only take those big fullback hits like he's been taking for so long. Um, I, I'm just gonna say I think any team, um, especially with how much he's been moving around um, over his career, I think any team that takes Ryan Fitzpatrick is taking a gamble on him. And I think the Dolphins knew that when they took him. And I think that the the Dolphins benching him in favor of Tua is what they saw as an even bigger gamble. They saw, like you said, Fitzpatrick's getting old. He's 37. He's not going to be in the long-term multiple years for the Dolphins. And I think they saw that putting Tua in right now as a big gamble that could pay off very well if he keeps continuing the success that Fitzpatrick has been having for them. I love the Dolphins, and I think they're a sleeper team to go to the Super Bowl. I think Tua was inevitable. Um, But you see what Joe Burrow has done with the absolute worst offensive line. Um, you've seen what Justin Herbert has done. Well, now, okay, these teams have got their first, the number one pick overall, the number seven pick. Six. Six pick, sorry. They're doing great. Can I put two in and get that same success? It is that gamble that Chase is talking about. Um, but you have to take it if you were the Dolphins taking that fifth round pick. Now, do you take it knowing that your next opponent is one of the top defenses? 100%. With, with Aaron Donald that is going to blow through that Miami offensive line and Jalen Ramsey that is still a top 10 corner in the league. So is that a game that you already thought you were going to lose? Maybe. So I mean, I don't think you go into any game ne- Thinking that you're Unless going you're the to Jets. Jets. <laughs> Unless you're the Jets. You just know that. I mean, the odds of them winning the game with Fitzmagic versus winning the game with Tua doesn't really change that much in that sense. Giving Tua his first start and already knowing that that game was probably going to be lost. Because then once Fitzmagic loses, well, now they're going to call for the benching and pulling out of Tua. If he loses badly enough to the Rams. So you're going to go ahead and say... More two more interceptions. He had two interceptions at the end of that game um, against the Jets. It's I mean, only a matter of time. I mean, if you knew that you were you were going to, this was going to be the time that you were going to pull Fitz, Fitzpatrick. Why would you only give Tua one drive? Because I feel like you would want him to play multiple drives, like maybe two, three drives at the very end during garbage time when you're still up 24 nothing. I think it's the bye week. And they're going into a bye week. Right. They were going to go into a bye week, what, two weeks from now normally? And what, they had week eight or week nine as their bye week originally? And maybe that was their original plan, was to do two into that, but then the NFL schedule got absolutely screwed. 
and now they have a bye week earlier, so maybe Flores is just like, well, let's stick to the plan. So here's something else to consider. Fourth round, the seventh quarterback off the board, the Jets drafted James Morgan. He wasn't a planned replacement for Sam Darnold, right? They're not moving Correct. away from Sam Darnold, but they drafted a quarterback fairly high. Yeah, fourth fairly round's high. all right. All right, we'll get better. First round. Who did the Packers draft? <laughs> Jordan Love. What did the Packers on, want on, to do on, out of hold that? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Jordan Love. Near the bottom of the first round. Behind Herbert, Tua, and Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. Who, of course, those three, now that Tua is starting, are all starters. J- Jordan Love is not starting a football game this year. And he was a first-round drafted quarterback. He is a but you have Aaron Rodgers, but he's a third-string quarterback. He's not even close because Tim Boyle's actually pretty decent, (laughs) and Tim Boyle's known that offense for how long? Three years. He also drafted Jordan Love to be the heir to the throne, and he's third-string quarterback. I feel like you're comparing Fitzmagic to Aaron Rodgers right now. Comparing situations of quarterback of the backup quarterbacks, not necessarily. Okay, to... we'll, we'll, we'll Jordan continue. Love's on, also super wrong. No, we'll continue. Second round, Jalen Hurts. I mean, Carson Wentz this season. <laughs> but they didn't know that when they drafted him. And Jalen Hurts has only played what two snaps? Carson Wentz is an injury and a season removed from a Super Bowl run. Right, but we're talking about the number five pick overall. Yep. One, two, three, four, five. Fifth best player in this draft, supposedly. We are. How many people are starting that were picked in the first round? How many of the quarterbacks that were No, everyone. All of them? Now. Minus Tua. But Tua Jordan was also... Love. But Jordan Tua, Love's Roswell. But Tua was also a concern because he was hurt. I think going back to talking about... Um, Aaron Rodgers and Carson Wentz. Aaron Rodgers is a franchise quarterback. You take Aaron Rodgers out of a game now, you know, Green Bay will rise up and and shout blasphemy, you know, will scream at the top of their lungs. That's a nice way of putting it. (laughs) Um, And even Carson Wentz, he hasn't been there nearly as long, but he started as a franchise QB, Wentzville, you know, there was a big ego behind him. Fitzmagic has this is, might possibly be the longest iteration of Fitzmagic we've seen in his entire career. Fitzmagic lasts for one, two games, and then he gets demolished, and it's over. Uh, he's clearly not a franchise QB. He's moved around a lot. Um, I think comparing him to Aaron Rodgers and even Carson Wentz is just, it, it's iffy at best. Because I, what I think the Dolphins, the Dolphins, I, I can't say what the Dolphins are, you know, why they did it. Because nobody knows. knows. Yeah, everyone, I mean, it took everyone by surprise. But I think I think Including one of the biggest Tua. factors is is let's take a gamble and see if we can make a franchise QB because Fitzmagic is not going to be their franchise QB and, and even if he was not for long. So what if this was so this was leaked by an uh, employee of the Dolphins and then they Somebody made an official announcement. What happens if it was a forced? Also, I'm not forced saying forced by who. Forced by this person who put leaked it out there. They wouldn't have given in to a full-on leak. They would just they, deny it. If they're it. already thinking about it and they're doing it, then the leak comes and they might as well just do it, right? You, We all saw Ryan Fitzpatrick's reaction, yeah? 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. He said his heart hurt all day. He was really, you know, he found out from the media he before his coach. He was generally shocked because, yeah, he didn't hear it from the people that should have told him because supposedly it was from a leak initially. But also, when they drafted Tua, they drafted him knowing Ryan Fitzpatrick knew he wasn't lasting as a starting quarterback. They knew that drafting Tua was going to be the end of his time as starting quarterback because that's that like that was the whole point. And Fitzpatrick said in an interview earlier, I think pre, well, preseason, quote unquote, but before the season started in this offseason, that he's going to be to his biggest hype man when that time comes. And I expect that to be true. I just think his raw reaction to this happening at this stage during this intense, emotional, weird time in sports is kind of heart-wrenching for the guy. Oh, no, it's definitely sure. heart-wrenching. I feel for him. He's been playing well. He has been. He's, it's a career Like I keep for saying, 3-1 and one in the last four games. Like, it's pretty darn good. But at this point, the time has come, and unfortunately, you got to break some hearts when you're going to do it. And that's kind of what the Dolphins ended up doing. Yeah, and uh, I... I don't think we should keep just going over and over and over about this. No, but, we should. Um, <laughs> but um, I think I think you know the Dolphins are you know the Dolphins for a long time had you know one of the best known QBs of all time, Dan Marino. You know went undefeated, and I think what the Dolphins are trying to do is at least get back to some iteration of that, some franchise QB that can lead them to success. And they see an opportunity, a gamble, and they're taking it. And it could either work out very well for them and they can continue winning or they can just go back to irrelevancy. And I think either one of them is very possible with the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> Their last Pro Bowl quarterback was in 65. Wow, that's a long time ago. Yeah, <laughs> and it was Dan Marino. <laughs> <laughs> um, so speaking of weird times, tough calls, weird decisions, and of course COVID-19... Let's talk about the Oakland Ra- the Las Vegas Raiders <laughs> offensive line. Uh, well, I, what's left of the Las we, Vegas Raiders offensive we, line? We talked about heart-wrenching with Ryan oh. Fitzpatrick. Um, what really is heart-wrenching is being a Josh Jacobs fantasy owner and seeing that the entire offensive starting offensive line was sent home. Because Trent Brown tested positive. Or a Waller owner. <laughs> or a Waller owner. Or a Ruggs owner. Mm-hmm. Will they push this game back? Car owner. They, they, put, they pushed it up. They pushed it up. It's, uh, now, it was the Sunday night game. Right. And now it's Sunday at, at 3.05 hour time. So right. the plan is so it's not prime time. So if they have to bump it to Tuesday... Oh, they can do okay. that. that makes more yeah. sense. I'm like, let's just move it yeah. sooner. Yeah, so they, so they moved it up currently with the potential of moving it back. Right. Um, Tuesday Night Football. Th- this also, I think that situation alone also makes uh, Tampa Bay's defense almost a guaranteed start. Because now they're going to get, they should get numerous sacks, which they already kind of did last week too. But they did, but now they're going to hit Carr numerous times, and their secondary is not terrible. Right. The the Raiders are calling up practice squad members to start in their first ever NFL game against the top three defense in the league right now. Yep. To defend Derek Carr against the Bucks, 
is going to be a nightmare. And to do it in these circumstances against a Tom Brady-led offense of the Bucks that's going to put up points, the Raiders are going to have to put up 20, 25, 30 points to be in this game. And I do not see that happen. I don't see a chance that happens with no offensive line that can defend Derek Carr when he has to pass and no offensive line that can block for Josh Jacobs to find holes and get get some yards. This is going to be a true testament to Josh Jacobs, Derek Carr, and even Henry uh, Henry Ruggs, and whether the, or not. And the Raiders' defense. And the Raiders' defense. Uh, whether or not those guys are legit and they should be taken seriously as playoff hopefuls or even playoff contenders. I don't think that Las Vegas has to win for the, that defense to prove itself, though. Um, as much as this offensive line could be hurt. But if they can hold them under 20 points, I think that it could be... We can consider them legit. I don't think the Raiders have to win to prove the defense is legit. I think the defense has to be legit for the Raiders to win. They have to. Against this Bucks team, there's no way that they're in this game if they can't slow down Tom Brady. Yeah, I think I think the Raiders. I think if especially yeah, if their starting O line stays out and, and isn't able to come back for the game, I think it's going to be uh, potentially a huge blow for the Raiders because I think this is one of the first seasons in a while we've seen some real success coming from the Raiders and and like you said, potential playoff contenders in the Raiders. Um, and like I said, Casey, you know, you got Josh Jacobs, I got Waller. Um, I think this is could very potentially be a bad fantasy week for the Raiders if they aren't able to get any of those starting O-line members back. Yeah, and just a testament of how strong this Tampa Bay defense is for and uh, what they should be for Derek against Derek Carr and Josh Jacobs. Without this Tampa Bay defense, they would not have beaten Aaron Rodgers. The reason why it got so out of hand so fast was very, very quick succession of a pick six and then the interception that put Tom Brady on like the three or four yeah. yard line. And then all of a sudden, Aaron Rodgers is playing catch up. Rodgers was sacked four times for 42 yards. Yep. At that point, almost all and the that's confidence. against a starting O line that's used to defending him. Mm-hmm. Except for Bobby Wagner and Bakhtiari going out. Yeah. So now you have. So now you have a very you have a significantly different situation in Las Vegas than what Aaron Rodgers had against Tampa Bay, and Tampa Bay made Aaron Rodgers look like Mitch Trubisky. Let's be real. I compare him to Kirk Cousins. Hit <laughs> <laughs> or miss. Yeah. Yep. It's also worth noting, depending on when this actually unfolded, when he first came back positive, and all that, this could be a two-week ordeal for the Raiders. Um, they, they play the Bucks this week. They play the Cleveland Browns next week. And that offense is no joke either at this point. Um, their defense is, it is whatever, but it's obviously no Buccaneers defense. But their offense, I mean, it's, it's top half of the league on, on you know, all offensive stats and, and output. So it's the Raiders defense is what it's going to come down to as far as what they have to do to, to stay in or win these games. Speaking of the Browns, they definitely did look like a joke this week. They, uh, you know, Browns were one of those teams where if you had any of their offensive players, I feel sorry for you. Uh, just like with any Packers players owners, it was it was a tough week because the Steelers made them look like last year's Browns or the year before Browns. 
It was it was bad. It wasn't even close. Uh, the Steelers were all over them. They suffocated Baker. They at, early in the third they put in Case Keenum um, to replace Baker. OBJ and Jarvis Landry couldn't do anything. Kareem Hunt wasn't able to do anything. It everything just kind of crashed around them. You know, it, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how they bounce back this week. Yeah, and I think as far as what they what their performance was last week, obviously they're going to try and forget about it. Um, this week, the the Browns are playing against Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Um, they should be fine. You know, we never know which Browns team is going to show mm-hmm. up. We never know which Bengals team is going to show up. You know, we so know their offensive line won't show up. That's valid. <laughs> and and you know, and you don't know if the Cincinnati offense is going to be good all game like, exactly. we, like we saw against the Colts we have no idea if AJ Green is going to touch the ball we have no idea if AJ Green is going to stop talking and play football like he's paid can to we do. just trade him nobody wants him like they I, he's not on the block but you know they've, they had to have thought about it at this point but he says he wants to stay there he acts like he doesn't small aside if you still have AJ Green on your fantasy team what are you doing please, please <laughs> drop him <laughs> Just get T. Higgins already if you haven't. Like, T. Higgins, T. Higgins is Tyler Boyd. Yep, T. Higgins is quickly becoming that number one, uh, number one, number two. Like he's he's getting almost all, all the touches and he's getting all the big plays that AJ Green used to do. I think there are two, maybe three big games um, worth mentioning. As far as actually good football games to watch and fantasy implications. So we'll start here. Um, Steelers and Titans face off this week. Undefeated. That'll be 5-0 and versus 5-0 and AFC. They're both leading their divisions, obviously. Top two in the AFC. And I wouldn't be surprised if this is a potential preview of an AFC championship game. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Like The Steelers are currently playing where that defense is going to drag them to that AFC championship. Uh, and then the Tennessee Titans are just playing out of their mind. They have a solid defense, and they have the best offense in the league. And we always see that somehow the, one of the best defenses and the best offense typically meet somewhere in the postseason. Yeah, and I, I'd say it'd be a pretty safe bet taking any offensive player from the Titans. Pretty much um, Tannehill's playing great. Derrick Henry's playing tremendously well. Um but I would say uh, maybe be cautious. I picked up Steven Goskowski this week, um, who missed both of his field goals last week, and I'm realizing that may have been a mistake. So, <laughs> so we'll see how that one pans out for me. Definitely, definitely ride out AJ Brown. Um, he had a big week last week. Um, I don't think Corey Davis is back yet. Um, if he is, uh, it's a big question mark on you know his performance. Humphreys is a hit or miss, but I would definitely roll with A.J. Brown, of course, Derrick Henry. Now, what about uh, players to watch for Pittsburgh? I think well, that this could be a good week for James Conner and could be a great week for Chase Claypool. You also have to consider the Steelers are getting back uh, Smith-Schuster this week. They took him off uh, questionable, put him back on active. However, I, I would be cautious. He's kind of hit or miss. He was been hit or, hit or miss for me the first few weeks I had him in, though he he did have a couple big games. Uh, one thing I do want to just point out for Steelers, there are going to be some people that get a lot of catches, um, but they still are the 27th ranked offense in yards produced this season. 
they're the 16th overall best offense in the NFL right now. They were 24th last week. So they moved up, but they're still not the powerhouse production that you want um, for three wide receivers to be your fantasy started. It's not Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and more, and things like that um, with Seattle. And now with Juju coming back as well, and like for sure he's playing this week. You know, you have a good. I think you have a good matchup with Claypool on the second on the other side, where you know he's playing against he's playing against somebody that's not familiar with Claypool at all because well, nobody is. Nobody <laughs> is. He's a rookie, uh, and Claypool has been electric. Uh, he can run the ball in. He can catch it. He can do literally anything that Ben wants him to do, and he will do it. And this is going to be a good matchup against a secondary that's not quite there yet but still does the job you know i think that this could be a very good matchup for claypool and i think that if it if he does well could be a good starter uh, from here on out because he's slowly earning his way to replace juju at this point i think i'm more confident in chase claypool than i am juju if i had both players like if i picked up claypool um, kind of as a, a handcuff to Juju as you know, really the only offensive weapon besides James Conner on that team. I think I'm still riding out Claypool this week until Juju can prove his relevance again coming back. I don't, I, I, I can't believe that Ben Roethlisberger is gonna take targets away from Chase Claypool after the two weeks he's had mm-hmm. just to give him to James no. or to give him to Juju. And I think that's kind of where my caution comes in with that really low. 27th, I think I said, ranked yeah. offense in passing yards, or in just yards. I think they're 29th in passing yards. So uh, targets are the points that you need. Another good game to watch, I think, this week is the Monday night game. Uh, Chicago and the, the Los Angeles Rams. Someone help me. Um, it's it's going to be a low-scoring game, but what, we see, what we've seen with Chicago, especially against the Buccaneers in prime time, it's going to be a good game. Normally with Los Angeles, normally with the Rams and Chicago, normally it's very low scoring, but it's hard hitting. It's a grind fest. But it's not like the Rams versus Patriots Super Bowl where you you literally felt exhausted before halftime. Like I, I don't think anybody really even wanted to watch past the halftime show. Do over under one and yeah, over under one and a half sacks for Aaron Donald. Over. Over, hands down. I'd say over. You can get at least two sacks. Now, over I think it's under, probably going to be three. Dang. Over under one and a half interceptions for that Chicago defense. Over. Against Goff? Mm-hmm. Over under how many? One and a half. Over. Under. Under? I think Goff throws one, and I don't think he throws two. I, I'd say I'd say Over. I also didn't think that Teddy Bridgewater was going to throw two official, but in reality, he basically threw three interceptions, one of which was a pick six that was called back on a controversial call for many Bears fans when when literally two quarters prior. You won anyway, calm down. It didn't matter. <laughs> regardless, like, Chicago, Chicago plays a lot better when they are the underdog. And right now, still nobody takes them seriously. Mm. And, you know, this, and it's prime time. Uh, and Chicago, 
plays very well in primetime. Um, and I think that now we've seen Nick Foles as starter for two weeks now, two official weeks now. I think that this is going to be – I think this is probably a prove-it week for that Chicago offense. I think absolutely. Right. Let, put it in perspective to back up what you just said about the Bears being underdogs. The Bears are 5-1. and one. The Rams are 4-2. and two. Oh, stop saying that. The Bears are six-point underdogs coming into this game. The Rams are projected to beat them by six, and they have a worse record. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think the Bears is are that, a better team at this point. Is that the Rams being overhyped based on Donald and a decent offense, or is that the Bears being underhyped because of their quarterback situation pretty much exclusively? I think the issue is the team, the teams that they faced. Although, the thing is, the Rams have only beaten it, or it, NFC East teams, I believe. Yes, NFC yeah. East teams. They beat... The entirety of the NFC. So the entirety of, like, four wins total. Yes. Got it. Um, When you're looking at that defense, though, for Chicago, they've really stepped it up. And when they played the Buccaneers, I finally had to give them credit. I wasn't going to give them credit again for the wins that they had before that. But now they've proven something. And I, I really hate saying that. And, and I don't, I don't, Go Colts. I don't want to uh, sound completely biased here, but no matter what I say, it's probably going to come off with a little bit of bias uh, as a Bears fan. But the thing with the Chicago defense is right now in the past three games, they've only allowed three touchdowns. What is their secondary, the completion rate against them? Uh, Against both Jalen Johnson and uh, Kyle Fuller, when throwing towards them, they are. They have a forty-seven percent completion rate. That's disgusting. And they are both tied with each other for the most in the NFL, for the lowest in the NFL. Uh, and then you know you have Eddie Jackson that has two pick sixes taken away already on the on the year. Um, you have Khalil Mack with four and a half sacks now. Uh, Keem Hicks with three and a half. Robert Quinn still putting a lot of pressure that's making the entire offensive line crash. And we see, we've see we seen Jerry Goff under pressure numerous times. He cracks like an egg. So I, I think that I think that a little bit, uh, going back to your question, I do think it is a little bit of both where the Bears are, uh, are underrated because of their uh, wins Foles. and because of their quarterback situation. And I think the Rams are overrated because of their record. Um, and I know it's a long ways away, so it's kind of hard to say for certain what we think about it yet. But um, I, I think one reason maybe that the Bears might be consistently underrated, not only in this season but in seasons previous, is a good record by the Bears doesn't necessarily translate to a good deep playoff run. Um, so do you think that there's any difference in this season so far that would give a good indicator that they could make a playoff run. Uh, before I give a serious answer, I just mm-hmm. want to say, uh, yeah, the Bears have a kicker right now, um, which they didn't have the last time they were in the playoffs. <laughs> Are you sure? Uh, I don't know what would ever possess me to say to think that the Bears never had a kicker in 2018. Uh, I think they had somebody. Yeah, <laughs> but but in all seriousness. I don't. I just don't think so. I think right now the top offenses in the league are almost all exclusively in the NFC. 
you have a powerhouse offense in uh, the Buccaneers when they are all healthy and there. Uh, Aaron Rodgers makes something out of nothing with whatever tools he has available on a normal in a normal situation. Uh, Russell Wilson is at a point where he can do literally everything. So I don't think the Bears can make it deep in the playoffs if they make it. Last word on this game. The Bears, five and one, five and one, have beat the Lions, the Giants, the Falcons, the Buccaneers was a good signature win, and the Panthers was a decent win. Lost to the Colts. That's, I mean, the Colts are four and two. That's not a terrible loss at this point in the season. Um, the rest of their season, it's going to be either tough or should be a cakewalk. Granted, that division. You never know what's going to happen with the Vikings and with the Lions. But the Packers right now, you know, sitting pretty at 4-1. and one. They play them twice. They play the 1-5 and five Vikings twice. They play the currently 2-3 and three Lions one the more The Lions time. are better than the Vikings. They play... Yep. They play <laughs> never thought I'd see the day. They, they play the rest of the AFC South. They, they lost to the Colts, but they play the 1-5 and five Jags, the 1-5 and five Texans... And then the five and O Titans. I feel like the Texans are not nearly as cakewalky as they look. So it's we'll going to, to be. There are going to be some, you know, some big games that they have statement wins that they have to earn. And if they beat those teams, I see no reason they shouldn't make a decent playoff run. If they can beat them in the regular season, they can beat the Titans. They can beat the Saints. If they can beat the Packers, at least one of two. They should be, you know. In contention with the Bucks, the Seahawks, the Packers, for those those high ranking NFC spots. The last last game worth talking about here is the Seahawks Cardinals got flexed to Sunday night um, due to the situation with the Raiders. Seahawks Cardinals. The Seahawks are currently only favored by three and a half on Sunday night football against the Arizona Cardinals. I expect this to be high scoring. Not great defense. We know the Legion of Boom is no longer really intact. Um, the Seahawks' defense is not anything what it used to be. Russell Wilson is going to be slinging the ball, hopefully getting it to Metcalf, Lockett, Chris Carson, and this should be, you know, I would expect 30s, 30 points each probably by the end of this game. It's a shootout. And, and against any strong opponent, the Cardinals come out strong. Um, last season, I think that they were the team that handed the Niners their first loss after going, what, 10-0? and um, they, I think they handed the Seahawks one of their very few losses last year. Um, so I think the Cardinals, if you're having a good season, the Cardinals are a very dangerous team for you to play, no matter what what's going on for them at the time. Um, and so I think that uh, this could be a week in which um, I don't think we'll necessarily see Russell Wilson falter, but I think this could be a week where we see Russell Wilson outshined by an opponent on the field in Kyler Murray. Potentially. Absolutely. I mean, he's done it before. Mm-hmm. It may not necessarily translate to fantasy points, but mm-hmm. as far as in-game stats, Kyler Murray could easily you know, have a better game than Russ, especially if they jump out to a lead, or if they get behind and he leads a strong comeback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that this entire week is going to be a lot of fun. I think there are a lot of fun games here on the on the docket for the week. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you know we're going to see explosion of points from 
numerous different areas. You know, now we're going to see Le'Veon back, Le'Veon Bell back into a scheme that he likes and he's going to be from, hopefully familiar with uh, playing with his friends. But uh, yeah, um, I think that's kind of all we have. Uh, make sure that you follow us on Twitter at the Fantasy Draft with capital T F and D in that. And if you have any sort of fantasy questions or football comments or anything of the sort, make sure you send them our way. Uh, all four of us will hopefully be looking at it, discussing and giving you a pretty well-educated uh, answer and a reply. Um, yeah, until next time, I'm Casey. Matt. Jace. Brandon. This has been the Fantasy Draft. And bear down. Go Colts. Go back. Go. Skull.